Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Another wild weekend of baseball is in the books. Chris Sale is back. Fernando Tatis is still awesome, even in the outfield. Plus, who is Tyler Gilbert? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. On Monday, August 16th, Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. How was the weekend, boys? Chris, I saw that you had a very eventful Sunday via Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went, uh, had a doubleheader in softball, had to pitch, got forced to pitch. Um, nice. I heard you almost was, got, it was, I heard you almost got beat up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I asked one of the hitters, he had a very wide open stance when he got to the plane. So I just asked him, so were you, are you going for like a Luis Gonzalez thing? Like, were you, and, and he didn't respond. And then he hit this like really lazy pop-up right to me that I lost in the sun. Oh. And he gets to first base and he starts. I mean, the sun was like, I made one catch with the sun in my eyes. The second one, I literally could not see the ball and I was not trying to get it in the face. So I just <laughs> covered my face. Um, anyway, he gets to first base, starts talking to his guy on second. He's like, oh, he was talking bleep. Oh, all that boo boo. And I was like, I asked you if you were a Luis Gonzalez fan. Like, I don't know. Maybe this guy is like still really upset about the 2001 World Series or something. He's a Yankees fan, but like... Mm. Oh, well, yeah. Objectively, if he was, if objectively he was a Yankee wasn't fan. talking. If he was a Yankee and, fan, then that's... It's, it's kind of a messed up question, Chris. And, and then, like, the next guy comes up, hits one right back at me with intent, mm. which, like, breaks every unwritten rule of... Sunday morning co-ed softball. There like, are there are no unwritten rules in, in there are co-ed definitely softball. unwritten Come rules on. when you're Come when on, you're Chris. drinking white claws while playing softball. Like you're not trying to hurt someone. And <laughs> hitting one back up the middle of the pitcher. Is this is something I've always this wondered. dude definitely did. I, I he has he has control over where he I could it. Like tell there was intent there. There was a wearing, smile. Like, he was wearing like wristbands and stuff. There there was a smile there. Yeah. Okay. I could tell. So it's just like. They didn't on, like dude. it, Chris. I like my face is my money maker. I don't want to be put in harm's way because you misinterpreted uh, some some earnest, good-hearted banter. Get over yourselves, fellas. Welcome it's to New York, Chris. Sunday co-ed softball. Come <laughs> on. No joking in, in Sunday New York no. softball here. Uh, today on the podcast, we're going to recap the weekend, whole bunch of waiver wire ads and drops, start or sit decisions, and much more. Scott is here. Scott, how you doing, bud? You good? I'm good. Yep. Nice. Good to hear. All right. Well, yeah. now that we know that Scott's good, let's talk about Tyler Gilbert. Who is this guy? I have no idea. And he threw a no-hitter against the Padres in his first career start. Three walks, five strikeouts, only nine swinging strikes on 102 pitches. Throws his cutter a bunch, fastball and sinker combined 46% of the time. Really, when I dug in, was not very impressed. I'm sorry, Tyler Gilbert. This was an awesome start for you. No doubt about it. Not going to take anything away. What do you guys know about Tyler Gilbert? Are you excited to try and add him following his no-hitter? I hadn't heard of him before he <laughs> threw the no-hitter yesterday, so that's not a good place to start. A 27-year-old who had been mostly a reliever in his minor league career and not like one of these, oh, you know, he's kind of halfway in between the starter and reliever, like going four innings every relief appearance. Like, a, just a reliever. Throws like 88 miles per hour. Uh, you watch the highlights of the no-hitter, or maybe you actually watch the game, unlike me, and you would see that there were several batted balls that very... It could have could have most certainly ended the no-hitter, could have also ended the shutout. 
I think it was just a day where baseball magic happened and created a, a great memory for the Gilbert family and for Diamondbacks fans everywhere. And uh, it was nice to see. It was nice to see. However, I did not make an effort to pick up Tyler Gilbert in any one of my fantasy leagues. The last two Diamondbacks no-hitters have been extremely strange. Between this one and now, if you guys remember, Edwin Jackson threw a no-hitter for them where he had, I believe, seven strikeouts and eight walks through 149 <laughs> pitches. And I think he had a, another no-hitter like that with the Rays or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I mostly agree with Scott. Like, he was a starter at AAA this season. He actually was, you know, pitching like five innings per start, had a 3780 RA, but... I, I don't think there's much reason to to be interested in him for fantasy. He's going to have to, I mean, not do it again in terms of having a no-hitter. Obviously, that would be asking quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, amazing play, amazing game. Like, that's just awesome. Fourth, fourth player to have a, a no-hitter in their first career start. Yep, I think the first since the 1950s. Yeah, and second Wowzers. since, you know, Baseball became a real sport. The other two were like during the Ulysses Grant administration or something. Oh so, gosh. you know, I don't think we, we quite count those, but, uh, you know, it was their first career start because it was every player's first career start. It was, um, yes, it was the first no hitter by a pitcher in his first career start since Bobo Hollow Man, real player. It's a great name. Uh, in, on the 1953 St. Louis Browns, it was the only season he pitched in his career. All right. Well, Tyler Gilbert, 27 years old, former sixth round pick. Don't really think there's much to see here. Not a lot of strikeouts in the minors either. The minors numbers are okay. But again, bouncing between rotation and bullpen, as you mentioned, Scott, he only has RP eligibility on CBS. So if you're playing a points league, you can use him as a SPARP. However, 20% rostered, widely available. His start this week is at the Rockies, assuming that he gets another start. I would assume so, obviously, coming off of a no-hitter. But yeah, at the Rockies, obviously, that is a terrible spot to be in. In my 15-team NFBC main event league, he went for... Let's see how much money he went for. Oh, I don't find his name here, but he definitely got picked up. Tyler Gilbert went for $22 out of a $1,000 fat budget, so... About 2%. Not really much to see there. Awesome start. His dad was in the stands. It was really cool to see. But yep. yeah, Tyler Gilbert. All right, let's talk about some other standouts from the weekend. Oh my good, goodness gracious. Why don't you kick us off here, Chris? Yeah, let's talk about Dansby Swanson, who homered in three straight games. He's up to a career high 24, and that's uh, each of his last seven or six home runs has been a new career high because his previous career high was 17. Uh, he's still only hitting 263 with an OPS around 812, something like that. Yeah. But man, since the All Star break, Dansby Swanson has been really, really good, hitting 321 with a 965 OPS, uh, eight home runs in 28 games, well, nine and 29 now. And it actually started a little bit before there. I just wanted to go with the nice, uh, you know, <laughs> off time. Uh, his last 33 games, he has 11 home runs. And an OPS almost of 1,100. So, really, really good run for Dansby Swanson right now. I don't quite know what to make of it. I mean, we've always thought Dansby Swanson could have uh, better production than he's shown us. And, you know, last season, um, you know, we, we've seen stretches yeah. of better Last play, season, but, he was a must-start. He emerged as yeah. a must-start player. Yeah, but, but this was, is, yeah. you know, I think... Uh, a different level that he's playing at lately. The question is whether it's sustainable. You look at the underlying numbers. He does have a career high in average eggs of velocity, hard hit rate, um, you know, XBA, X slug. XBA is a little lower than his career high, but the X ISO would be a little higher. So there are reasons to, to believe that, you know, Dansby Swanson might've figured something out here, but my guess is it's just a hot streak. Yeah. Well, I, I take it back to April because mm -hmm. his April was miserable as April was for so many hitters. And if you take it back to April for Swanson, not including Sunday's stats, he's hitting 283 with 21 homers and an 870 OPS. And that 283 he has with a 322 BABIP. So it's not like he's, 
you know, it's it's not like he's blowing the lid off BABIP there to get those numbers. Um, he did have one awful month apart from April. I think it was June. It was June. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. hit 216 with a 707 OPS. Yeah. So, so not, not as bad as April. It was still, yeah. It was still an, you know, for as bad months go, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, basically since April, he's been the player. He's been no worse than the player you drafted him to be. What was he, like a 10th round pick this year on it? Oh, he's been, yeah. I mean, so he's, his he's, full season pace since the start of May is like 40 homers and 15 steals. Yeah, that's an awesome really player good. too. And we know the prospect yeah. pedigree, former first overall pick, it's coming together right now for... For Dansby Swanson, and I do lean towards this is a hot streak right now, but the second half numbers that you brought up, Chris, uh, his strikeout rate during that span is right around 16%. So that is a massive drop compared to the first half where he was at 28%. So if he's making contact, putting the ball in the air a little bit more, even without Ronald Acuna, it's still a really, really good Braves lineup there. Ozzie Albies is hot right now. Obviously, Freddie Freeman has been doing his thing for the past couple of months, and then Austin Riley, too. So you put all those things together, and even without uh, even without Ronald Acuna, this Atlanta Braves offense is really, really good. Dansby Swanson is a must-star player. Scott, oh my goodness gracious, player for you from this weekend. All right, I'm going to change things up on you, Frank, so you can go with your other choice. All right. Because one we need to talk about, I think, is Carlos Carrasco. Oh my goodness gracious, in a bad way on Sunday night. He had his second straight miserable Start six earned runs in two innings, gave up three home runs to the Dodgers. Velocity and spin were okay. He got eight swinging strikes on 57 pitches. That's, you know, that's a fine rate. His first two starts off the aisle were both pretty good. They were short, but they were pretty good. Last two starts obviously have been disastrous. And the timing stinks because he was a two-start pitcher this week. And after those first two starts, you thought, okay, he's... You know, he's probably built up enough that I could run him out there for the two starts. And in, in fairness, that, the first one was rain shortened. Yes. Um, yeah. The one against the was, Nationals, but he gave up foreign runs in the first inning. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Um, so, you know, bench him for now, I would say. But he has a long track record of success. And the arsenal itself doesn't look broken. I don't know if it's rust, if it's, you know, he's, he's missing his spots, all those silly things that can sidetrack an otherwise good pitcher. I don't know exactly what's going on from Carrasco, but he doesn't appear broken to me. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't look like his arm isn't healthy or he's forgotten how to throw a baseball. It doesn't look like any of that. I I'd want to sit him until he, showed clear signs of coming around because you just don't need to ride out these lumps with him. But he's going to be fine. Carlos Carrasco is still 88% rostered on CBS. He's only started in 51% of CBS leagues. And I think that number should be lower, Scott. You mentioned bench him for now. He's at the Dodgers again this upcoming week. So obviously they are just (laughs) a buzzsaw right now. You do not want to start really any pitchers against them. Obviously, I mean, there's a few must-star, top 10, top 15 starting pitchers, whatever it might be. But once we get past I, that, I don't know how many pitchers I want to start against the Dodgers. Yeah, and I, I should I said he's going to be fine. I don't know that he's going to be fine this year because we're running out of this year. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, there may come a point where it's time to drop him. I just don't think it's time to drop him yet. Okay. You know, yep. one, one of the things about, like, not having guys you'd start against the Dodgers is, like, a couple of the guys who you might start against the Dodgers happen to pitch for the Dodgers. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Walker Bueller. Like I, I'd probably start Walker Bueller and, and Max Scherzer against the Dodgers. Sure, but that's not allowed. Yeah. What is? What do we have after that? Maybe like seven or eight pitchers inside your top ten. Because once you get outside of that, you get into like Austin Nola and Lucas Giolito. Who we'll talk about those guys, but they have their issues obviously as well. Uh, for me, oh my goodness gracious. Tristan McKenzie, who took a perfect game into the eighth inning on Sunday against the Tigers, winds up going eight shutout, one hit, zero walks, 11 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 106 pitches. I like the way they broke down too. eight on the fastball, eight on the curveball, five on the slider, really just had everything working on Sunday. And he has allowed just five earned runs total over his last three starts during that stretch, 20 strikeouts to just one walk. Remember earlier in the season, McKenzie was walking everybody, which was weird because 
that wasn't an issue for him last year, and it really wasn't ever an issue for him in the minors. So got the control back on track here. Strikeouts are coming around. He's 47% rostered going up against the Angels this week. Chris, I know that you're a big fan of Tristan McKenzie. Is he a must-start after this performance? Must-add, rather. Must-add, yes. I don't know about must-start. Um, the Angels are you know, not a terrible matchup, so I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with uh throwing him out there if you you know need a starter but you know it's been real hot or cold for him since uh coming back to the rotation in the beginning of july um it's really just two bad starts though you know he's been three, three quality starts in a row now yeah five of seven since coming back um at the beginning of july actually with you know one seven inning nine strikeouts one walk uh, and only seven walks in his last seven starts. So a lot of signs looking a lot better for Tristan McKenzie um, lately. And you know, I think the, the good sign here is his velocity has been trending up or staying steady. And last year, that was an issue for him. He got off to this really, really good start. Um, it was his first time pitching in two years. And by the end of the season, his velocity had really faded, and there were questions about whether he'd be able to hold up as a starter. The fact that he's throwing this hard after, I mean, this has to be his most innings in three years at least, probably longer between the majors and the minors. Yeah, 77, 77 innings before today, so 85, is the second most he's ever thrown as a professional, going back to it's the most since 2017. So. I think there's a lot of positives for Tristan McKenzie, especially when you're looking ahead to next year. We'll see how the season ends. But right now, a lot of reasons to like Tristan McKenzie moving forward, I think. I was going to save this group for later on, but waiver wire starting pitchers part one, which are really just the biggest waiver wire standouts that are available in about 30% or more of CBS leagues at this point. So I'm going to group these guys and Scott, I'll have you rank them, but Josiah Gray, who we've talked a lot about recently, gave us another quality start against the Braves with six strikeouts. He's 70% rostered. Patrick Sandoval, who we also talk quite a bit about. He was up against the Astros this weekend, four and two thirds, four runs, obviously not a great start, but the Astros are a very tough matchup. He's 66% rostered. Madison Bumgarner in six starts since returning from the IL has a 2.09 ERA with a 4.60 XFIP. So I don't really know what to make of that, but 70% rostered is Mad Bum. Obviously, we just talk, talked about Tristan McKenzie. And then Reed Detmers, who had his best start thus far. He's only made three starts in the majors, but a highly touted prospect. And up against the Astros, six innings, one run, six strikeouts. That is really, really impressive for Reed Detmers. So Scott, how would you rank that group of Josiah Gray, Sandoval, Mad Bum, McKenzie, and Reed Detmers. Definitely Sandoval number one. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why he's still this available. He did not have a great start over the weekend. His velocity was down. His swinging strikes were down. But he's been on another level as far as missing bats goes. With His changeup's always been good at that. The sliders come along too. And with pitches, two pitches that miss bats with that regularity... I just think the arrow is pointed straight up with him. Still has some control issues, but whatever. He's overpowering. So Patrick Sandoval, clear number one. Josiah Gray, number two. I mean, he's been really impressive with the missed bats, too. Do we worry about the fly balls with him? And he did give up three home runs in that brave start. All three of the runs came on solo home runs. But Josiah Gray would be number two. Tristan McKenzie would be close to Gray. Uh, he's number three. And... um. I'm going to go, man, I don't have much faith in Mad Bum at all, but seven starts, seven straight starts since returning from the IL, all two earned runs or fewer. Um, I'm still going to go with Detmers over him, I think. Yeah. Because that's how little faith I have in <laughs> Madison Bumgarner, but I'm I'm certainly not ready to start Detmers uh, even after this strong outing against the Astros. Only seven swinging strikes. Granted, it's the Astros, and they don't swing and miss very much. Yeah. But uh, but still, I need to see more from Detmers. As, as bad as his first two starts looked, need to see more before I get him in my lineup. So yeah. run through that again real quick. I go Sandoval, Josiah Gray, McKenzie, Detmers, and then Madison Bumgarner. What do you think, Chris? I basically agree with that order. I, I okay. might flop McKenzie and Gray, but it's it's not 
I would hope you wouldn't have to make a choice between the two of them anyway. Mm-hmm. If they're both out there in your league, you could probably use both. <laughs> uh, Reed Detmers, by the way, I saw that he uses curveball curveball in this start, a season high 37% of the time that hadn't been above 26% in each of his first two starts. So it did make a notif- noticeable difference throwing that awesome curveball even more mm-hmm. in this start. He's 23% rostered. If you do need someone to stream this week, he is at Cleveland. They are 24th and weighted on base average against left-handed pitching this season. Again, that is Reed Detmers. Before we hit the news and notes, I do just want to highlight Chris Sale's start You know, here at the top because return against the Baltimore Orioles, while it wasn't a crazy performance, it was still very good. Five innings, six hits, two runs, zero walks, eight strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, 35% called strike plus swinging strike rate, which league average is 28%. So nice to see the uh, sale there. Fastball velocity, 93 miles per hour, which is basically where it was back in 2019 when he struggled, and it's noticeably down from 2018 and 2017. What did you guys think about Chris Sale and his return? I will point out that 93-ish, him averaging that on his fastball, a lot of people were freaking out about that in 2019 when he was struggling. Um, he still had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen double digit swinging, double digit strikeout efforts. <laughs> fourteen pretty- times in twenty five starts, ten strikeouts or more, including a seventeen strikeout start and a fourteen strikeout start. And I'll also point out that's about what he averaged on his fastball in twenty sixteen, when he went seventeen and ten with a three thirty four ERA, one hundred four WHIP. You know, basically a typical Chris Sale season. So I don't know that that velocity number is one we need to really harp on. Uh, he looks healthy, looked great in his minor league rehab assignment, struck out a bunch of guys. Uh, Orioles lineup that's been good against left-handers. So, yeah, yeah, I. the only thing I would say about the velocity is like, maybe that's a reason he can't be a top five starter, but he could still be a top 10 or top 15 starter. You know, when he was you know, one of the handful, arguably, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball, he was throwing harder. You know, he was able to reach back for a little more. So maybe that just, that's representative of a a slight decrease in ultimate ceiling, but like he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. So there's no reason to think that he might not be able to, you know, reach back for more if he needs it. And he probably doesn't need it to be a must-start pitcher. He definitely doesn't need it to be a must-start pitcher. Yeah, and that's exactly where Chris has him ranked. SP18 in Chris's rankings for Chris Sale. And Scott has him at SP24. And I'm just about ready to move him inside of my top 20, just ahead of some guys that recently landed on the IL. Julio Arias, Carlos Rodon, obviously Shane Bieber we're still waiting on. So I will make that adjustment, Chris Sale, inside the top 20. Just want to let you know what's on CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports news day at 8 a.m. Eastern time with Morning Buzz, an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. And come back or leave us on all day at 6 p.m. where we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world, how to watch HQ? It's easy. Go to go to your Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, really most connected TVs, and look for the CBS Sports app. Fire it up. Check out CBS Sports HQ, the only twenty four seven free sports streaming network. News and notes from the weekend. Let's start with the bad. Jacob Degrom will remain shut down from throwing for at least two more weeks after being reevaluated on Friday. The inflammation in his elbow has been reduced, but it's still there. The earliest we'll see Jacob DeGrom is mid-September. I'm not telling people to drop Jacob DeGrom yet. Obviously, it's DeGrom, and it's just like a weird thing to even talk about doing, but you know, as those injuries start to build up, if we get another update that, you know, it's going to push even further than you probably can talk about dropping Jacob DeGrom at that point. Garrett Cole will return and start on Monday, which lines him up for two starts against the Angels and the Twins this upcoming week. Make sure to get him back in your lineup. Fernando Tatis returned on Sunday and made his first career start in right field. And it doesn't matter where Fernando Tatis plays. He is awesome. He went four for five with a double dong. He's now at 33 home runs for the season. One, he still leads the NL in home runs which is wild. Crazy. Two, that is the third game he's come back from the IL and homered in this season. (laughs) 
it's just awesome. I assume yeah. once he gains outfield eligibility, because it sounds like the plan is for him to just play outfield moving forward, uh, he will be all of our number one ranked outfielder, right? Yeah, he's the number one player in fantasy as long as he's healthy, I think. Yeah. And so that'll make things interesting for next year because he will have both outfield and shortstop eligibility, assuming he plays at least 20 games in the outfield this season. Uh, yeah, really interesting because he's still going to have offseason surgery. I mean, we've got a lot of time to talk about yeah. that, but I mean, it depends. Well, I mean, it, like if they make a deep run, there's a very good chance he's not ready for the start of next season. Yeah. There's a very good chance we're looking at the start of next season with the two best players in fantasy potentially not ready for opening day. I would and then say Mookie Betts on his hip. Yeah. yeah. Like I would that say for sounds like it's headed towards surgery in the offseason as well. Yeah, so between, I mean, three of the best fantasy options in and the game, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, and Fernando Tatis. Jacob DeGrom, yeah, we Coming don't know. Off, it's, uh, an injury plague season. Oh, man. Uh, you, you know, we thought, real we, thought, fun. we thought this year was hard to figure out for fantasy, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> trying to figure yeah, out next yeah. year's first round should be a lot of fun as well. Uh, Clayton Kershaw may not have time to build up a starter's workload before the end of the regular season. Dave Roberts had this to say, quote, I think... That will be kind of contingent on where the ramp up goes. I don't want to say no, that's the goal. But if it comes to be a two, three inning monster out of the bullpen, then that's what it will be for Clayton Kershaw. Aroldis Chapman is traveling with the Yankees on their current road trip, and the team is hopeful that he can be activated when first eligible to come off the IL, please. Because it seems like every game the Yankees have won recently, it's been a safe situation, and it's been a complete and utter mess. And Zach Britton for some reason. Oh my gosh. Watching the yeah. game Zach on Britton Sat- doesn't think it should be Zach Britton anymore. Watching the game on Saturday was just, I called it too. I was like, Chad Green is going to hang a curveball and Jose Abreu is going to crush it. Next pitch, boom. Jose Abreu crushed it. It's just well, an absolute mess. In the words of Tony La Russa, he's one of the best baseball players of all time. So, of all what time. What can you do? Once in a generation player. That's what they say about old Jose Abreu. I really do. I, I tweeted this out jokingly, and now I'm just going to talk about it off the top of my head without looking it up. But Tony LaRusse is saying that about Jose Abreu is why we have Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame. I do well, think it was actually Tony LaRusse yeah. who pushed to get Harold Baines yeah. in the Hall of Fame because he was on the committee for that. Yep. Okay. So I'm remembering that mm-hmm. correctly. Yep. And hey, maybe. You know, great, greater national career, great Cuban career. Maybe Jose Abreu deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Let's see what happens in the next couple of years, I guess. But he's he's been pretty awesome. Adalberto Montesi experienced oblique tightness during his rehab assignment and returned to Kansas City to be evaluated. He is still 82% rostered. Do we need to hold on to him? I would say... If you don't have IL spots, no. Right. No, That's right. right. That sounds. I mean, we're sounds at right. the point in the season where if we, if you don't have IL spots, and it's not just like a minimum stay, you don't have to hang on to anybody. Yeah, no, it's like, a good, it's a good like, point. I would, I would consider dropping Jacob Degrom in a league where, like, like I've got one league where I've got like seven guys on the IL, and I only have three IL spots. I've had to make some really tough cuts in that league, including Chris Paddock recently, and yeah, like there, there are going to be situations where. Jacob DeGrom is droppable. So, yeah, Alberto Montesi is definitely droppable. Francisco Lindor is hoping to skip a rehab assignment once he's cleared for game action. Manager Luis Rojas said Lindor could be activated next Monday. So not when you're listening to this, but the following week. Shane Bieber threw a bullpen session on Saturday for the first time since he landed on the IL back in mid-June. The session lasted 20 pitches, and he didn't throw anything but fastballs. Still don't really know with Shane Bieber. Alex Bregman was supposed to resume rehab on Friday. Narrator, he did not resume (laughs) rehab on Friday. Carlos Rodon's medical examination came back clean and confirmed shoulder soreness. He'll miss more than the minimum 10 days, but Tony La Russa said he did not expect a long absence for Carlos Rodon. Some good news there. Aaron Savale is scheduled to throw a two-inning simulated game at high A on Tuesday. Eliezer Hernandez returned Sunday and allowed one earned run over uh, with four strikeouts over five and a third innings pitched. He is 38% rostered, tougher matchup this week at the Cincinnati Reds. You guys looking to add Hernandez anywhere? If if I included him in the the rank list of pitchers to add, 
earlier, Frank, he would check in behind Josiah Gray and behind Tristan McKenzie, but ahead of uh, Reed Detmers and Madison Bumgarner. Definitely some interesting numbers, the little tiny bit he's pitched both this year and last. Yep, yep. He's got a really, really good slider. It's kind of all he's got, but Mm -hmm. uh, the results have been good when he's pitched. I think I would take Detmers ahead of Eliezer Hernandez, but that is pretty close. The year of the setback continues. As Luis Severino is feeling something in his shoulder, he'll visit a doctor on Monday. We are going on... How long has it been since we've seen Luis Severino pitch in a game? It's got to be since... Um, 2018, right? And barely. Yeah, I think so. Sheesh, man. That's just... Uh well, remember at the start of the season, we were talking about when these th- the three big Tommy John guys would come back. Yeah, I was expecting go. Sale back last, and he's first. Ah, well, so. he he was he he began <laughs> rehabbing last. So it, I mean, he was behind the expectation we had. We were thinking like, oh, maybe June or July, and it's you know August fourteenth or yeah fourteenth when he makes his first start. So, um, whoops. By the way, Luis Severino <laughs> made three starts in 2019. Yeah, yeah, 2019. Oh, yeah. Was so, yeah, we, we, but didn't, yeah, yeah. It's rough. It's been a rough go. Speaking of the Yankees, Luis Heal is expected to be recalled and start one of the doubleheader games against the Red Sox on Tuesday. Some slight intrigue there, but that sounds to me like he's going to be sent down right after this start again. So maybe you pick him up and stream him, but I don't think it's a long-term thing for him. Alec Bohm has sat out four straight games and appears to have lost his job to Ronald Torres. The Reds activated Nixon Zell from the 60-day IL and then optioned him to AAA. Miles Michaelis is sent to rejoin the Cardinals rotation this week. He made one start earlier this year and zero starts last year. He is 14% rostered. Anything there, Michaelis? Usually been like a, good source of whip, but I mean, we're it'd be a pretty deep league where I'd be looking to pick him up. Yep. Anthony Rizzo is feeling much better and could resume baseball activities on Monday. He tested positive for COVID last weekend. He does not have a timetable, but it sounds like maybe later this week or the start of next week for Anthony Rizzo. All of these players went on the IL this weekend. You Darvish with lower back tightness, Kyle Tucker to the IL due to health and safety protocols. COVID situation. Uh, Dusty Baker said he doesn't expect him back for at least a week. Joe Ross has a partially torn UCL, could need Tommy John surgery. Julio Arias went to the IL with a left calf contusion. Javier Baez with back spasms. Merrill Kelly tested positive for COVID. Michael Pineda with a strained left oblique. Adra Alzali has a left hamstring strain, aka he just got bombed by the Marlins on Friday and they needed a reason to put him on the IL. Starter sit these players this week because they're kind of questionable right now. We don't know what's going on. George Springer has a left ankle sprain, did not play on Sunday. Would you leave him in the lineup? Uh, I'd, 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 I'd hesitate to bench him, given how hot he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, in a five-outfielder league, I don't think I would bench him. In three-outfielder league, it'd kind of depend on my options. Yep. But. Gary Sanchez will report to AA for a rehab assignment. Uh, he did that on Sunday and could rejoin the Yankees on Tuesday. Throw him back in. Yeah, um, you'd rather not carry two catchers for very long. So, yeah. Last one here. Jordan Montgomery is expected to return and start one of the doubleheader games against the Red Sox. The Yankees play eight games this week, so I think that means Montgomery will be lined up for two starts. Red Sox and the Twins. Would you start Montgomery for those two? I think I'd rather not. Sounds about right. Pretty tough matchups there. Uh, And it's first game back. Let's take a quick break. When we return, some waiver wire hitters. Part one, we'll do it next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. 
You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Let's start things off with Andrew Vaughn, who is just crushing it, dating back to July. But if you just look at his August numbers, he's batting 313 with three homers, a 1030 OPS. He's 71% rostered, has seven games this upcoming week, and at least two of those are against lefties. Andrew Vaughn absolutely crushes lefties. Would you guys drop players like Carlos Santana in a points league or just Ryan McMahon in general for Andrew Vaughn? Those guys are both over 90% rostered. Yeah, Ryan McMahon's been a drain for quite a while now. Yeah, it's Andrew Vaughn basically since the end of June. Uh, we'll do arbitrary endpoints here because he had two, four, four two hit games in a row starting on June 29th. Uh, since then, he's hitting 328 with a 942 OPS and a 15.7% strikeout rate on pace for 90 runs, 90 RBI, 31 home runs. That's basically exactly the best case scenario we thought for, might happen for Andrew Vaughn. That's pretty awesome. That's about as good as we could possibly have hoped. So he's been that for, you know, a, a month and a half now. Yeah. I would my say, only, go ahead, Scott. My, my only concern with Vaughn is, let's see, he started on Sunday. So that's uh, three of his last eight he's sat. Correct. And he's played a different, like LaRouche has been moving him all over first base, left field, right field, DH. Like he's, he's kind of become, become the guy who they want in the lineup, but they don't really feel like they have a spot for. So I don't know. In a points league, it makes it tougher. I think, you know, since you brought up Carlos Santana strictly for points league purposes, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd make that switch. Uh, Ryan McMahon, by the way, Chris. Since the start of July, he is hitting for a great batting average, 312, but just not a lot of power. Only two home runs since the beginning of July. So batting average has been all right. I'm all right making that swap. What do you think, Scott? McMahon for Andrew Vaughn? Yeah, I mean, obviously McMahon can place the positions Vaughn can't, but if you're yeah. just talking about for first base, yeah, sure. Josh Rojas has 10 hits over his last four games, including a home run that he hit on Sunday. 47% rostered. I spoke about him a little bit on Friday's podcast, and I'm pretty excited about what he's done this year. He's got six games this week. Three of those are in Coors Field for Josh Rojas. Again, 47% rostered. Would you guys drop names like Tommy Edmond or even Jazz Chisholm for Josh Rojas? I could do Edmond. You know, Edmond actually has been, I think his steals have been pretty consistent month to month. So if that's, you know, if that's why you got him in a Roto League and... You know, you're just looking to get as many steals as you can rest of season. That would be a tough swap to make, but I do think Rojas is better, just in an all around, all around sense. I want to drop Chisholm for him. What do you think, Chris? Um, yeah, I guess Edmonds just kind of fine, and so I'd be fine with that. I, I Rojas, I wish he ran more. It's it's the thing with him. Only the seven steals in 99 games. You'd like to see more than that. Um, I think he'd be capable of more. Um, but I do like him. Like He gets on base. He, he's he got a little bit of pop. I do think he's a pretty good player. I think he's a better player than Tommy Edmond. He might actually just be a better player than Jazz Chisholm right now. Um, Jazz Chisholm since the beginning of June. So this is 51 games entering Sunday. He did hit a home run on Sunday. 232 batting average. Yep. Six homers, two steals, five caught stealing for Jazz Chisholm. Yep, he came back from that shoulder injury, I think, at the end of April was was what it was. I, th- I, th- I think it was something with his leg. It was either a hamstring. I think it was a hamstring or like a quad. Okay. Yeah. He came back in the middle of May and was really good for a couple weeks. But yeah, basically since then, he's been extremely hit or miss and largely miss. Yeah, I, I would make the swap. I, I don't... 
Jazz Chisholm, I, I think long term there's some upside there, but I just I haven't seen anything for a while. So I, I would make that swap Chisholm for Josh Rojas. A few other names two here. Two steals in that stretch. Yeah. With five caught stealing. Yep. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck had a double dong on Saturday. He's 27% rostered. He's got six games this week and at least two lefties, which obviously Bobby Dahlbeck, much better against lefties. You looking to add Dahlbeck anywhere? No, I mean, I'm not sure how much longer he'll have a job. I, I don't really know. We all assumed when the Red Sox acquired Kyle Schwarber at the deadline that they'd transition him to first base. GD, J.D. Martinez basically having the DH job on lockdown. Uh, but I, I don't. I haven't really seen anything official one way or the other regarding a move to first base for Schwarber. And he returned this week and hasn't appeared at first base yet. Uh, in fact, Martinez was out of the lineup one game. He was in left field another game. Um, so, you know, Dahlbeck's heating up at the right time if he wants to keep his job. But I, I don't know that that's going to last because uh, eventually I, my assumption, like everybody else's, was that they'll want to have Schwarber at first base to, to, max, to, to optimize the lineup. Yeah, and even if they wanted to run some kind of platoon out there to keep Kyle Schwarber fresh, obviously he had that severe hamstring injury. They could do Dahlbeck against lefties, Kyle Schwarber against righties, but yeah, we haven't seen uh, Kyle Schwarber at first base yet. Miles Straw is a name that I bring up a lot. I, I like Miles Straw. 16 games with Cleveland, batting 317 with three steals. He's got 12 runs scored in 16 games. He's 45% rostered, six games this week. Chris, do you share some optimism on Miles Straw? Because I know Scott is just like, eh, he's boring. Um, I don't know if... <laughs> Optimism is the word I would use. I, I think he's kind of what he is. He's been a actually pretty profitable player if you drafted him. But now he's uh, giving us batting average, which we didn't really expect. You know, maybe 250, 260, good OBP for someone who likes to run. But for, for how long? Yeah, I just, I just don't. It's just really hard to justify a non-power hitter in your lineup in in the age of baseball we're in now where basically everybody hits for power? Well, I think the biggest thing is that he's still striking out 20% of the time since getting to Cleveland. And so to believe that he's going to be more of a batting average source, you have to believe that he's going to like make better quality of contact, which I don't really have reason to believe, or um, that he's going to cut that strikeout rate, or that he's just going to run a high Babbitt, which... You know, given his speed could happen, but it's not the kind of thing you bet on. So he's pretty much just a steel specialist, I think. But I, I there are worse players to start. Like <laughs> in in an era where nobody steals bases, a guy who's going to steal probably 30 this season and hit 260 to 270, you're not going to be thrilled about having him in your lineup. But at the end of the season, he's going to have been pretty helpful. Yeah, any categories league, even if it's a head-to-head categories league, shallower format, if you need steals, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a, a lot of these steals bunched up for Miles Straw over the final course of the season. Cleveland likes to let their guys run, and obviously he's playing every day there for them. Miguel Rojas, over his last 15 games with the Miami Marlins, is batting 316, one homer, three steals, 53% rostered. Another one, high floor player, not a lot of upside. Seven games this week, four of those come in Great American Ballpark. Last name I wanted to bring up here, Jamer Candelario. Last seven games, he's batting 320 with two homers. He's 58% rostered. Would you guys drop someone like Yoan Moncada or even Chapman or Hayes? Chapman, every time we do this, we tell people to drop Chapman. He gets hot again, so I don't I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, Moncada, Chapman, Hayes, would you drop any of those for Candelario? I wouldn't. Scott? I mean, I think Hayes is pretty expendable at this point. <sighs> and it's these kind of moves I feel like are easier to make in a shallow le- shallower league, actually. You're just kind of going with the hot hands. Uh, but, you know, Candelario hit over 300 for all of July, and he's batting over 300 for the month of August. So, you know, he's been hot for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly I I still have hope for Hayes in the future, but he hasn't done much for you this year. All right, some deep waiver wire hitters. Frank Schwindel, I'm just going to keep bringing up the name. That is my guy. Nine hits, including three homers over his last six games. He's got six games this upcoming week, including two lefties, where Schwindel thrives. He's 5% rostered. A few other deep league names here. Brent Rooker, six hits, including two homers this weekend. 
He's got seven games on the schedule, including four in Yankee Stadium. Connor Joe, his last 15 games with the Rockies, 302 batting average, five homers. He's been leading off for them with Rymel Tapia on the IL. He has six home games this week, Connor Joe does, in Coors Field. Yanni Hernandez, first nine games with the Rangers here, 290 batting average with three steals. And I know he's had a few 30-plus steal seasons in the minors, so a speedster there. Uh, and then DJ Peters had a double dong on Sunday. 23 or more home runs in three different seasons in the minors. Schwindel, Rooker, uh, Brent Rooker, Connor Joe, Yanni Hernandez, DJ Peters. Any interest in these guys in only in deeper leagues? 15-team Roto, AL, and No, I mean, I, I, think, I think Schwindel and Connor Joe, if he continues to play, mm-hmm. I think they both could potentially go beyond just the deep league pickup, which, you know... Even when you're when you're talking about deep league pickups, they're almost not worth talking about if they can't pull out of that deep league pickup group, you know? Right. Because uh, it, it doesn't take much to become more than a deep league hitter. And Schwindel obviously had a big weekend. His minor league track record is, for the most part, been very impressive. Three of his past more, four minor league seasons, really good numbers. He's never been a guy who struck out much. His fly ball rate is over 50%, so you can understand why he's hitting so many home runs, you know. And that that should make for a low bat bit, but if he's not striking out much, I don't know. There may be something there. I've 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 waited for Schwindel to get a real look in the majors and with the Cubs having sell, sold everybody off, it seems like he's finally getting it. Yeah. Con- um go ahead. And Connor Joe's a great on base guy at Colorado. So you know, there could be something there. Yeah, Connor mm-hmm. Joe, I put in a few bids in uh, 12 team leagues with five outfielders this weekend. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. interested. If I'm going to, you know, very unexcitedly extol the virtues of Miles Straw, I probably should do the same for uh, Yanni Hernandez because, yeah, he's stolen 39 bases in 108, 118 games between double A AA and triple A while hitting 260. He never he strikes out 15% of the time, he walks more than he strikes out. Uh, he has one home run between double A AA and triple A. He's got four in 460 games. So that can help you understand why he's only a 266 career hitter despite never striking out. But if he can just be passable in batting average at the, the rate he might steal bases, he might be useful in a 12 team Roto League if you need if you need to make up ground in stolen bases. Let's quickly rank some waiver wire catchers. Jorge Alfaro has six hits and two steals over his last five games. He's been playing the outfield for the Marlins as well. Mike Zanino has a homer in four straight games for Tampa Bay. He's 65% rostered, has seven home games this week. And Tyler Stevenson with the Reds has homered in three straight games, yet he has started just two of their last five games for the Reds. Alfaro, uh, Zanino, Stevenson. Zunino, Stevenson, Alfaro. I'd like Stevenson more if he had more consistent playing time, but that doesn't seem to be going up. The only time it was up was when Joey Votto was hurt and he was playing some first base. Quickly mention these stud hitters. They are hot. Jose Ramirez has four steals over his last 15 games. So for a while there, he wasn't running. He's now up to 14 steals. I believe he hit his 26th home run of the season on Sunday as well. Will Smith has homered in three straight. He's now up to 18 home runs. Jose Abreu was having a massive August, 346 batting average, six homers, and 1143 OPS. Shohei Otani had a sock and a shoe on Saturday, his 39th home run, his 17th steal. Teoscar Hernandez, much like Abreu, having a massive August, 431 batting average, four homers, and 1140 OPS, strikeout rate down to 20%. Nolan Arenado has homered in three straight games. He has 25 home runs on the season. Been a pretty solid year for Nolan Arenado. And Max Muncy had a double dong on Sunday Night Baseball. He is now up to 25 home runs. Let's bounce back over to the pitching side of things. We did waiver wire starting pitchers part one at the top. Let's talk about part two. These are very questionable starting pitchers. I realize what I'm about to ask, but they all have very good matchups this week. So I will just point out Zach Davies up against the Royals this week. And these are probably for deeper leagues. I've seen them available in some of my 15-team rotos, but Zach Davies up against the Royals this week. John Lester is up against the Pirates. Brad Keller is at the Cubs. Kyle Freeland is at home against the Diamondbacks. Kyle Freeland's last 10 starts, he's got a, t- a 2.53 ERA. 
Alec Mills is going up against the Royals this week, and Jay Happ has now allowed just three earned runs over 16 and two-thirds innings pitched with the Cardinals, and he is also going up against the Pirates this week. Chris, can I interest you in any of these questionable starting pitchers with great matchups? <laughs> Brad Keller. It could work. He yeah. had eight strikeouts this weekend with 16 swinging strikes, and you He's know... He's been kind of good since the start of July. I believe he started throwing his slider more uh, during that stretch. I... I I remember that being a thing at the time. And yeah, he's got 42 strikeouts and 42 and a third with a 383 ERA. Um, I certainly don't think he's good, but his slider has always been a pretty good pitch. And the the bad starts during that stretch too were, were kind of plagued by, he had a back issue. Remember, mm-hmm. he was removed from one and I wouldn't doubt it affected him in the next one. Um, so Brad Keller would be my choice here, but he didn't quite make the cut for the 10 sleeper pitchers for week 21. And, you know, I'm always complaining about <laughs> the quality of pitchers I'm choosing for my 10 sleeper pitchers, Frank. And, and just so. to confirm, Brad Keller is throwing his slider about 42% of the time since the start of July. That is up from the start of the season. And it is his best pitch as these things go. So there you go. That's you the go. endorsement. Brad there Keller. you go. By the way, I'll just mention for Kyle Freelander that during this 10-start stretch, it feels like he's having some good home run luck. Only three home runs allowed during that stretch. It's not like he's some great ground ball pitcher or anything. Uh, so that is reason not to really trust what's going on there. Yeah. During that 10-start stretch, I mentioned 2.53 ERA, 3.86 XFIP. So it definitely has had... Some good luck there for Kyle Freeland. He's going up against the Diamondbacks this week. Uh, he's 15% rostered. So I probably would rank him second of this group right behind Brad Keller. But again, very questionable. Uh, the last name I wanted to mention here, Matt Moore. Just got to give him a shout out. Six no-hit innings on Saturday with eight strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes on 76 pitches. He's 5% rostered. And I, for the life of me, could not find out whether or not he's going to stick in the rotation this week. But if he does... He would, doesn't matter. He would be at the Arizona Diamondbacks, so I don't care. This was his second good start this year. And the yeah. and the first good start was five innings. So no. All right, let's quickly run through. I have a lot of starter sit starting pitchers here. We'll start with Zach Plesak, who Zach Plesak hates me because whenever I bench him, he performs well. Whenever I have him in the lineup, he's awful. But this weekend, seven and two-thirds, two runs, nine strikeouts. We'll start with you, Chris. He's at the Minnesota Twins this week. Starter sit Zach Plesak. I'd probably sit him. And for this, let's I, I assume no tw- faith. 12 team leagues. Yeah, I, I just have no faith. Like he's he just gets hit way too hard. His margin for error is so slim. Yeah, he still gave up 11 hard hit balls despite this really uh, strong performance against the Detroit Tigers. Jack Flaherty made his return at Kansas City. He was he threw six shutout with five strikeouts. Velocity looked fine. Uh, starter sit this week, Scott, versus the Milwaukee Brewers, who over the last 30 days, they are second in weighted on base average. Yeah, but I'd still start him. I'm very happy Jack Flaherty's back. By the way, like I don't even think it's a start sit question with Zach Plesak anymore. Like, Just why... Why is he still rostered in 87% of leagues? Uh, yeah, that I, I, I didn't want to be mean, but I was going to ask, like, <laughs> you know, why, yeah, why do you have this decision to make? Oh, I, I have him. Drop him for Sandoval. The, Drop him for Logan Webb or sure, yeah. Tristan McKenzie, you know? <laughs> Drop him for yeah. any of those guys. The only reason I still have him, Chris, is because it's a 15-team league, and in, yeah. that, in that same league, I... Just picked up Griffin Jackson, Bailey Ober, so that you know that's well, what 15, I'm working with. It's fifteen rough. team leagues are obviously a different animal, but yeah. you know the, yeah. the presumption is the majority of people listening are playing in twelve team or shallower. So, yeah, I just yeah. think like the case for Zach Plesac was that he was going to be this innings eater who pitched deep into games, even if he wasn't as good as last season, and got quality starts. And like he's got two quality starts since coming back from the IL, and in seven starts, he's. Still not striking anyone out, even including this start. He has 29 strikeouts and 31 and 38 and a third since coming back from the IL. I just that's bad. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this offseason he can figure out what went wrong and try to get back to 2020. Uh, but he just hasn't been right. 
All right, let's keep moving here. James Caprillion was at the Rangers this weekend. Five and a third, eight hits, three runs, zero strikeouts. Chris, would you start or sit Caprillion at the White Sox this week? So he's still got like a 360 or 370 ERA since the start of July. As a points league spark, I think he's probably worth starting. Nick Pavetta was not up against the Red Sox. That would not make sense. He was up against the Baltimore Orioles this weekend. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. He has allowed just one earned run over his last two starts. Starter sit at the Yankees this week. He also has spark eligibility. What do you think, Scott? I, I don't think I would. I, I mean, I could understand, like Chris was making the case for Caprillion as a points league spark, maybe in that special circumstance, but I don't think he's the kind of pitcher who... You know, his ERA is over four for the year. So just because he's coming off two good starts in a row, I want to be enough for me. Taiwan Walker also took a no-hitter into the seventh inning this weekend against the Dodgers of all teams. Six and two-thirds, one run, six strikeouts. He is also at the Dodgers again this week. Chris, starter sit. No way. No way. And no that's way. also <laughs> what I say to Blake Snell, who... Five innings, two runs, six strikeouts against the Diamondbacks this weekend. He is at Colorado. Make sure you get Blake Snell out of your lineups for this week. Starter sit part two. Joe Musgrove was at the Diamondbacks this weekend. What happened, Joe? I mean, we had a nice little stretch we were going on here. We thought you were back. Five innings, six earned runs. Scott, he's up against the Phillies this week. Starter sit Joe Musgrove. Yeah, I, I guess I, I think I'll give him a pass for this one. You know, the previous, what was it, three or four? I think it was four. Yeah, four starts, a 1.44 ERA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll take you'll take one bad start every five. So <laughs> I'll, I'll run him out there again. Yeah, and Musgrove is better at home this season. 2.43 ERA at Petco. Hyunjin Ryu at the Mariners this weekend. Six and a third, four runs, only three strikeouts. Chris, starter sit Ryu versus the Tigers this week. I'd start him. Yusei Kikuchi was up against the Blue Jays. They actually were facing off against each other in this start. They both were not great. Four and a third for Kikuchi, <sighs> three runs, four walks, five strikeouts. He is at the Houston Astros this week. Scott, starter sit Yusei Kikuchi. It seems dangerous. I'd rather avoid it. I'm not going to go so far to say for sure sit him, but try to sit him. Mm-hmm. Sonny Gray's last six starts, he has a 7.34 ERA. If there's anything that can get you back on track, I think it's the Miami Marlins. Chris, <laughs> would you start Sonny Gray against the Marlins in Great American Ballpark this week? Yeah. Yeah. Two of his last three starts have been fine-ish. Um, so yeah, I would start him against the Marlins. They're he's, bad. He's out of Scott's circle of trust, though. Just keep that in mind. That's well, fine. That's fine. But the Marlins I mean, are in it. Yeah, being out true. of the circle <laughs> of trust means you're a matchups play, basically. Yeah. So this is a good matchup. Aaron Nola, his last 17 starts. I mean, this is just a massive sample for this season, at least. 5.24 ERA for Aaron Nola. It's just he got hit hard again on Sunday. He's at the Padres this week. Scott, would you start or sit? Aaron Nola. I think I'm going to go down with the ship here. As far okay. as Aaron Nola goes, I just can't figure out what's wrong. I, I, as we've talked said many times before, I don't think much is wrong with him. But it's it's disconcerting when he struggles and it's not home run related. He did give up a solo home run, but I wish we could have seen what would happen in the Dodgers start last time out. He had one hit them through four innings with seven strikeouts, and then the rain came, so... I mean, in the the 16 starts prior to this one, uh, he had a 30% strikeout rate and a 6% walk rate. That's really really good. He's doing great with the strikeouts and walks as well as he's ever done. It's just, it's season long, the problem has been home runs over the course of the full season. The problem recently hasn't been home runs. But, you know, two, if we're counting the rain shortened start, two of his past, well, three of his past five starts have been great. So, yeah. yeah, start him. Start Aaron Nola. Go down with the ship with me. Just draft Aaron Nola on even years, basically. This season, 2021, 4.35 in 2020, 3.28 ERA, 2019, 3.87, 2018, 2.37. Uh, there's an obvious trend here with Aaron Nola. Starter sit, 
Starter sit versus the Giants this week, Chris. I'd still start him. Alex Wood was up against the Rockies on Sunday. Six and two-thirds, two runs, six strikeouts. He's been pretty inconsistent recently. Scott, starter sit Alex Wood at the Oakland A's. Uh, SPARP only situation, and I don't think it's a must even if he's a SPARP. Zach Gallon's last six starts, he has a 6.17 ERA. He's at the Rockies this week. Just don't start Zach Gallon. Are, are we dropping Zach Gallon? Right. Are we dropping yeah, I don't him? think he's right. Would you drop him for, let's say, all those names we mentioned in the opening segment? Not all of them. I want to drop yeah. him for Bumgarner. Okay. I don't think I'd drop him for Detmers. But would I drop him for McKenzie at this point? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Logan Gilbert's last five starts. He has a 6.62 ERA at Houston this week. Start or sit? Scott. Definitely sit. 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 And last one here. Oh, well, we already talked about Carlos Carrasco. Get him out of your lineups. All right. Calls of the pen. Some bullpen updates. The Texas Rangers. Spencer Patton. It's over, bud. He was using the eighth inning for on both Friday and Sunday. Joe Barlow got saves both of those days. He is 6% rostered. So even in the deepest of leagues, if you need saves, it looks like Joe Barlow is the guy for now. For the Giants, Jake McGee gave up two runs on Friday. Zach Littell recorded one out and picked up his second save. Uh, and then Jake McGee came back on Sunday, clean inning, got his 25th save of the season. But he's been a little bit shaky, so let, let's watch that with Jake McGee. Uh, for the Tigers, Michael Former on Saturday was using the eighth inning. Gregory Soto picked up his 15th save. For the Marlins this weekend, Dylan Floro on Saturday was using the eighth inning. He gave up two runs, and then Anthony Bender picked up his third save. And then on Sunday, Dylan Floro was used in the ninth, got his fifth save of the season. Anthony Bender had pitched three days in a row. Chris, mm-hmm. the next save opportunity for the Marlins goes to blank. I think for what it's worth, Floro, you say he was used in the eighth inning Saturday. He came in with two outs already in the eighth. So yeah. I suspect he was going for the four innings, four out save and just ran into trouble. And then Bender. Yeah, I was going to say Floro. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think Bender's better, and and yeah. even the save Floro got Sunday was shaky. So, um, but I, I think it probably is Floro still. For the Yankees this weekend, again a mess. Chad Green was using the ninth inning on Saturday. He gave up a game tying home run to Jose Abreu. Zach Britton came in in the tenth, loaded the bases, and then they took him out for Albert Abreu, who converted the save on Sunday. The Yankees had another save opportunity. Wandy Peralta got the final two outs for his fourth save of the season. Please, Aroldis Chapman, come back soon. For the White Sox, uh, Liam Hendricks gave up six runs, including three home runs, in two mm-hmm. games against the Yankees. So that was the Field of Dreams. And then on Saturday, who gets the next save for the White Sox? <laughs> Craig Kimbrell or Liam Hendricks? You know, I got to tell you, somebody dropped Kimbrell in one of those 15-team Roto Leagues I'm in. I picked him up for 7 Dollars of a thousand dollar budget. Wow! Like, I don't, I don't know where everyone else was on that. Just for the ratios in a fifteen team roto league, why wouldn't you want Kimbrel? Yeah, and uh, I think, I think there's Hendricks is certainly giving the White Sox every excuse to give the next chance to Kimbrel. I kind of doubt that's what'll happen, but it it's possible. I'm pretty sure there was a quote from Tony La Russa giving Liam Hendricks the the vote of confidence. Yep, which. Sucks because I have a lot of Craig Kimbrell. Come on, man. For the Reds on Sunday, Lucas Sims was used in the fifth and the sixth. Michael Lorenzen in the seventh. Luis Sessa in the eighth. And then Michael Givens picked up his third save of the season. He is 14% rostered. If you guys need saves, how would you rank Michael Givens, the Marlins guys, and Joe Barlow from the Rangers? Givens, Barlow, Floro, Bender. Chris? Makes sense. All right, to stream or not to stream, we will start with Monday, Tuki Tucson at the Marlins, Braxton Garrett versus the Braves, Griffin Jacks versus Cleveland, Carlos Hernandez versus the Astros, Matt Harvey at the Rays, and Justin Steele at the Reds. Who's pitching on Tuesday? <sighs> oh, Tuki at Miami's good. It's fine. <laughs> I, I just have no faith in him at all. So Yeah, just, I just, mean, four, four of the five starts have been... Decent enough since yeah. he got called up. So I, I think at Miami, I feel I feel pretty good about that. The yeah. others, no. Don't really like anyone else. 
Maybe Griffin Jacks versus Cleveland, but yeah, Tuki Tucson is head and shoulders above the rest. For Tuesday, to stream or not to stream, David Price versus the Pirates, Bailey Ober versus Cleveland, Tyler Anderson at the Rangers, Vladimir Gutierrez versus the Cubs, Waskar Noah making his return at the Marlins, and Luis Heel versus <laughs> the Red Sox. This is a pretty good group, oh, Chris. Man. I can start I all take, of them. I may take all of these guys over everyone on Monday. <laughs> um, I think Vladimir Gutierrez is probably my favorite. Yeah. With the way he's been he's, pitching lately and the matchup he's got. He's not as good at home being a fly ball pitcher. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what's the Cubs lineup right now? Uh, you know, uh, at Miami, doesn't seem like a bad gamble. I just wonder if he'll go enough. If yeah. he'll go deep enough. And that that's an issue for David Price, too, against the Pirates. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bailey Ober versus Cleveland. I can't really see myself doing that, though. You know, if if it was a worse lineup here not Cleveland's lineup, but just a worse lineup of pitchers, then Ober might be an okay choice. Yeah, most of these are fine. Speaking of Bailey Ober, on a scale of one to excited, how excited would you guys be to start both Griffin Jacks and Bailey Ober in a 15-team league this week? Not very. (laughs) Yeah, not very. (laughs) Man, I lost you Darvish in this league. Oh, man, it's it's rough. But that's what I'm going with, so... how many pitchers do you feel good about right now? Not many. Is it more than 20? Is it 20? It's attrition has really hit the pitcher position. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's well, it's rough. You you mentioned the Padres making a deep run in the playoffs. It's not even a given the Padres make the playoffs. Sure. Especially yeah. now that their rotation is is uh banged up. Well, they're not far behind for that second wild card. Apparently, they're interested in Jake Arrieta, so watch out for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. They may not make the playoffs. (laughs) For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Tuesday night with our YouTube stream, Wednesday morning in your podcast feed. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.